Let us pray. O Lord God, you teach us that without love our actions gain nothing. Pour into our hearts your most excellent gift of love that made alive by your Spirit, we may know goodness and peace through your Son, Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Amen. God, you teach us that without love, our actions gain nothing. Pour into our hearts your most excellent gift of love, that made alive by your Spirit, we may know goodness and peace. Through your Son, Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Our first reading today is from Acts chapter 11, verses 1 through 18. Now the apostles and the believers who were in Judea heard that the Gentiles had also accepted the word of God. So Peter went up to Jerusalem. The circumcised believers criticized him, saying, Why did you go to uncircumcised men and eat with them? Then Peter began to explain it to them, step by step, saying, I was in the city of Joppa praying, and in a trance I saw a vision. There was something like a large sheet coming down from heaven, being lowered by its four corners, and it came close to me. As I looked at it closely, I saw four-footed animals, beasts of prey, reptiles, and birds of the air. I also heard a voice saying to me, get up, Peter, kill and eat. But I replied, by no means, Lord, for nothing profane or unclean has ever entered my mouth. But a second time the voice answered from heaven, what God has made clean you must, must not call profane. This happened three times, then everything was pulled up again to heaven. At that very moment, three men sent to me from Caesarea arrived at the house where we were. The Spirit told me to go with them and not to make a distinction between them and us. These six brothers also accompanied me, and we entered the man's house. He told us how he had seen the angel standing in his house and saying, 
Send to Joppa and bring Simon, who is called Peter. He will give you a message by which you and your entire household will be saved. And as I began to speak, the Holy Spirit fell upon them, just as it had upon us at the beginning. And I remembered the word of the Lord and how he had said, John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. If then God gave them the same gift that he gave us when we believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I that I could hinder God? When they heard this, they were silenced. And they praised God, saying, Then God has given even to the Gentiles the repentance that leads to life. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. We'll read responsibly uh, Psalm 148. I'll read the light print if you respond with a bold. Alleluia. Praise the Lord from the heavens. Praise God in the heights. Praise the Lord, all you angels. Sing praise all you Praise the Lord, sun and moon. Sing praise all you shining stars. Let them praise the name of the Lord who commanded, and they were created. Praise the Lord from the earth, you sea monsters and all deeps. Mountains and all hills, fruit trees and all cedars. Sovereigns of the earth and all peoples, princes and all rulers of the world. Let them praise the name of the Lord, whose name only is exalted, whose splendor is over earth and heaven. Our second reading is taken from Revelation chapter 21, verses 1 through 6. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, See, the home of God is among mortals. He will dwell with them as their God. They will be his peoples, and God himself will be with them. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. Death will be no more. Mourning and crying and the pain will be no more. For the first things have passed away. And the one who was seated on the throne said, See, I am making all things new. Also he said, Write this, for these words are trustworthy and true. Then he said this to me, it's, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give water as a gift from the spring of the water of life. The word of the Lord.
gospel according to John. When he had gone out, Jesus said, Now the Son of Man has been glorified, and God has been glorified in him. If God has been glorified in him, God will also glorify him in himself and will glorify him at once. Little children, I am with you only a little longer. You will look for me, and as I said to the Jews, so now I say to you, where I am going, you cannot come. I give you a new commandment that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. The Gospel of the Lord. Let's jump into the Gospel for today. John's Gospel, written about 90 years after Christ. And basically, when we look at this 13th chapter for today, we realize it's the beginning of a second part of John. A lot of scholars say that chapters 1 through 12 are called the Book of Signs, where you have Jesus teaching and performing miracles, and He's telling people He's the light of the world, He's the bread of life. He's the living water, all this symbolism throughout those first 12 chapters. But in this chapter 13 and through the end of the book, we have what's called the book of glory. The book of glory. And it begins here at chapter 13. It begins really, the context of this this short reading we had is during the foot washing on Maundy Thursday night. And Jesus, after He washes the feet of the disciples, stands up and says, now love one another as I have loved you. you know, put this in perspective now. We're in the fifth season of uh, Sunday of Easter. And see, the way the liturgy is lined up is basically for four weeks we celebrate the, the theology of glory, as Luther would have said in some ways, of celebrating the great resurrection feast. But all of a sudden, this week we go back. We go back before the cross and resurrection. And it's in John's account, this Maundy Thursday, and Maundy comes from that Latin term mandate, that Jesus gives this new command. I give you a new commandment, Jesus declares, to love one another. Just as I have loved you, you should also love one another. And it's interesting to note, he says that just a few hours before he's to be crucified. Love like him. You see, placing this gospel text in the middle of the Easter season reminds us that faith still has its struggle. It's about cross-bearing. But in the midst of it, we're reminded that God is with us. Highs and lows. Crosses and resurrections. And His glory is to be declared. You know, in this fourth gospel, you see this, what we call divine glory seen in Jesus' presence. Whether it's passion, whether it's crucifixion, or whether it's resurrection. You know, to the world, especially during that first century, and even the world today, when people look at Christ on the cross, it's the human nature to say, this is a failure. But for us, baptizing the Spirit of Christ We claim that no, this symbol of Christ on the cross is not a failure. It is a celebration of the defeat of sin, death, and evil. I read Leonard Sweet wrote in a new book he 
put out a few months ago, something to the point where he says, you know, the Easter celebration is, the, is, the, uh, is the, just that, the celebration. But the cross is the victory. The cross is, it is finished, it's accomplished. Christ followers see that. And that's why we get words like, it leads us into new life. Like in Revelation today, God says, Behold, I make all things new. But in that upper room on that Maundy Thursday night, Jesus says, love one another. And He says, this reveals God's love. This reveals God's glory. When you love one another, you are revealing God's glory. Because love, this agape love that we know in the New Testament, this self-giving love that is a defining characteristic of all Christ followers, is to say we will abide and endure and do the will of God whatever He calls us to do and wherever He sends us. Three times in the next few verses in John, chapter 14, Jesus says, if you love me, you will keep my commands. Those who love me will keep my word. If you keep my commands, you will abide in my love. Love, command. What is a command usually? It's supposed to be synonymous here with Jesus. And a command oftentimes we see as a mandate, basically uh, obedience to the command. But this isn't an obedience out of some sense of austere duty or some kind of moral law of rules. This is an obedience to a joyful communion with Christ. It's interesting to always look at the meaning of words, which I love to do in my calling. And the word listen means what? Literally. Obey. The word listen and obey are what form the root of the word disciple. Jesus always let he who has ears, let him hear. Basically, a disciple who's one who listens, obeys, and hears what God has to say. And listens. In the midst of all the distractions of noise of the world. And you know what the literal meaning of the word noise is? Nausea. Today's world is so distracted from listening. That's one of my favorite services sometimes is just the service of be still and know that I am God. It's the essence of God's love. We listen for His presence among us. His glory among us. And what does He give us? He gives us the Word and the sacraments. He gives us the spoken Word, the Word shared with one another, the Word of the risen Lord. And it's to share God's glory, which is love. You know, one of my favorite places I've ever visited is Tizay in France, a spiritual retreat. And I always remember, I read a lot of readings from the late brother Roger. And I love one of the quotes he says. It makes you really think. He says, you know, all God can do is love. You think about the God of Jesus Christ, who is God himself. All God can do is love. In the Old Testament, you always hear about the glory of God means some divine presence on a smoking mountaintop or the divine presence behind the Holy of Holies. But here in the New Testament, 
we speak about the glory of God as the presence of God's love. Self-giving. And as I said in the old in the early days of the Christian church, that was scandalous for people to hear of a God who was crucified. A God who kneels and washes the feet of his disciples. But Jesus says, that's where his glory is. And Jesus shows love for his disciples. The disciples who will fail him. He washes Judas' feet that night and feeds him, who later betrays him. He humbly washes Peter's feet, who will deny him. He humbly washed all the disciples' feet, who will abandon him. Yet Jesus loves, not based on their merits. He commands his disciples, though, to love one another as I have loved you. In the same way, we use the words grace, mercy, forgiveness. Because when we show God's glory that way, it's just like the words of Revelation say, God will make all things new. But we know how hard that is in our human nature. We 21st century disciples aren't any different than those early disciples. We'll continually fall short in our love for one another, especially those outside the community. And that's what that book of Acts is all about, is to be inclusive to all. The gospel is for all, Jew and Gentile. All people welcomed into the house of God. But Jesus is clear in confessing it's not theological correctness, it's not moral purity, it's not our knowledge. It's turning to Him and His love and being empowered for acts of service and sacrifice. And that's against our nature. But thanks be to God who gives us His Spirit at our baptism and claims us and empowers us. I often remind people when we discuss that in ecumenical terms with other faith backgrounds that, you know, I'm a Lutheran. I believe the only good we do is because God's working through us. If it's left up to us, we'd all be going to hell. But, you know, our human nature wants to rebel against self-sacrifice, especially in today's world. And I've done a lot of reading. There's a guy named Peter Stanky who's written a lot of this too for the Lutheran Church lately about how our minds actually work. And over the last 15 years ago or so with uh, people having a lot of brain surgeries due to concussions and combat and everything else, you know, the, the medical world has really gotten this down to a lot of, of, of good uh, research. And you know, our minds work, whether our, it's that fight or flight instinct in us, it's the emotions in us, or it's the thinking part within us. And a lot of what Stanky reminds us is uh, you got to stay focused on the challenge that's ahead of us. You know, fight or flight just makes you, I'm going to react to this, that's it, react. Com emotions, I'm going to compromise, I'm going to react, that's react. Reactions are different than responses. Responses come from the thinking part of our brain. Change oftentimes makes us go back to reacting with our emotions or our instinct. And a lot of times when people do that, they simply um, lose sight of the vision. And they'll look for what he says, 
They'll go into denial. And what does denial say? Well, I just need to survive. Or they'll go into despair, which says, I just give up. Or they'll look for a magician who will make a quick fix or find something, you know, to help distract them. And the reason I share all this with you is because I think that's the way we react to a lot of things in our worlds today. Spiritually, physically, mentally, politically, we, we kind of get overwhelmed on it. So we just kind of say, you know, I'm going to let somebody else do that. I think I'll just take care of my own self. That's not the love that Jesus talks about. The love Jesus talks about gives us the vision that God can make a new world. Makes us focus on our mission. Gives us a sense that it's God's story and He will make all things new. You should sense that excitement with your new pastors coming here in just a few months. God is always making things new. It's said that uh, in the midst of a faith community where there's love, that's what will attract people. You know, think about it for a second. What's communion in Christ known for? Nice, unique sanctuary. Nice preschool, good youth group. People who like to get together and eat. Great worship. What's community in Christ known for? Question mark. You fill in the answer. What if it's known for, well, that's the congregation where people love one another. You know, the Jewish scholar Abram Heskel once wrote that in, uh, look at those Christians. See how they love one another. That came from the early Roman church. A new commandment God gives. And it makes us see the world different. Jesus says, I make all things new. See the world different. With that being said, I don't normally read something. But y'all have your annual meeting today. And I used this in my last congregation for a retreat. Where we had about 100 people at the retreat. And it was all about mission. It's a reflection that Dr. Steinke writes about in a book, A Door Set Open. And just as a people of God, where I know the love one another is at the heart of what you do, who are gathered and waiting for a new day coming. Just think of this, where Steinke writes, every now and then we in the church need to step back and take a long view God's kingdom is beyond our efforts, even our vision. In a lifetime, we participate only in a fraction of God's work. While we cannot do everything, we can do something. Incomplete as it may be, it is a step along the way, a beginning and something for God to bless. God's grace does the rest. In results, we may never see them, but only hold them trusting in God's future promise. We are servants, not saviors. We are ministers, not messianic figures. We are prophets of a future, not of our own making, but for which we hope and for which we make a defense in our life. We believe God will create a new heart in us and a new world out of the old. Behold, I make all things new. Amen.